Ghosts of Leadership podcast, episode 194. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into the show. I hope your 2015 really is off to a great start. I really do hope you have a profitable and prosperous 2015, and I hope, particularly in the areas of transformation and personal growth, and I hope Dose of Leadership becomes part of your routine, your daily dose or weekly dose of inspiration and aspiration, particularly in the areas of leadership. This is the show where we talk to influence experts and top leadership experts and thought leaders from all aspects of life where we focus on the topic of leadership and personal growth. And today I've got a great guest. Ken Blanchard is back on the show. He's been here with us once before. It was great to talk to him again. And what can you say about Ken? I mean, few people have influenced the day-to-day management of people and companies more than Ken Blanchard. He is highly sought after as an author, a speaker, and a business consultant. I mean, he is truly one of the most insightful, powerful, and compassionate individuals in the leadership space today. I absolutely love him. I love his work. Again, he's really one of the most influential leadership experts in the world and respected for all of his groundbreaking work. You're probably familiar with The One Minute Manager. That's Ken Blanchard. So the book's Leading at a Higher Level, Lead with Love, Great Leaders Grow. He's just a remarkable human being. He came on the show to talk about yet another new book that's coming out later this year in February. It's called Refire, Don't Retire. Now, it's really for those people 62 and older and as they get into their second half of their life. And I know a lot of us out there aren't 62 yet. But this uh, book is, there's something in there for all of us. You know, it really is about, you know, what are you going to do as you approach the remainder of your life? What are you going to do to make it more joyful and meaningful? Now, that applies to all of us, particularly when he talks about in this book and on this show, some of the highlights he'll talk about how important it is to enhance your relationships, you know, stimulate your mind, do more for your health, revitalize your body, and grow spiritually. I mean, that's something we can all apply in our everyday life. And it was just a joy to talk to him, and I really think you'll enjoy this conversation. So again, enjoy the interview, and here's Ken Blanchard. Well, Ken, welcome back to Dose of Leadership. I'm so glad to have you back on the show. Well, it's my joy, so I've been looking forward to it, Richard. Well, you've always been one of my leadership heroes. You know, it's always, you know, you're you're kind of one of the old salts, if you don't mind me saying so, when it comes to leadership and management, and it's always a thrill to, to sit down and talk with you and What's been new with you? What's been going on since the last time we talked? Well, you know, uh, uh, I have a new book coming out in, in February uh, that's really kind of what's new in a sense. is, is uh, When I turned 65, uh, which was 10 years ago, unfortunately, unfortunately uh, I was on the phone with Zig Ziglar, and Zig, Ziggy had invited Margie and I to the 59th anniversary of his 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Zig, uh, you know, are you going to retire? He said, there's no mention of it in the Bible. He said, except for Jesus, Barry, and David. He said, nobody under 80 made an impact. He said, I'm refiring, not oh, retiring. Nice. And I thought, wow, what a great concept. Yeah. You know? And uh, so uh, 
Uh, I was on an airplane headed to New York about a year ago, and a good buddy of mine that I hadn't seen in a while, uh, Mort Chavitz, who's a, been a professor of psychology at UC San Diego, was on the plane. He said, what are you up to? And I told him, I'm refiring, not retiring. He said, I love that. He said, I'm doing studying of aging now. And so I started telling him. So we sat down and started to work on a book titled Refire, uh, Don't Retire, Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And it's really been actually a ball to uh, to work on, on uh, this because uh, what we find is there's a lot of people who look at aging as kind of, uh, you know, a sentence rather than an opportunity. <laughs> right. And it's, it's so interesting, Rich, we, as we've talked to older people, they say, you know, it's not just for us. I have some. I have a son or a daughter who's thirty or forty. They need to refire, you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, so we started looking at what what are the areas that that you you need to refire uh, in, and uh, that's been fun. And we found out there's really probably four. We didn't want to deal with finance, you know, because a lot of people have done stuff on that. But we we thought about, you know. What are you doing to refire intellectually? What are you doing to stimulate your mind? Oh, I love that. Rich, yeah. What are you doing to stimulate your mind and keep you going? One of the things is working on this wonderful radio program. Now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think this is you're, it's you're such a salient point. And we were talking with a group today, and we were talking about the exact thing. And we're all in our uh, mid forties or early thirties, and it's it's kind of busting through that myth of what I'm hearing. You is like, look, you. It, Enjoy the moment now and look forward to continually improving. It's always like adding value to yourself and adding value to others. And yeah, this radio show, talking to folks like yourself has been almost therapeutic in a sense, if I can, if I can use that term, because it just stimulates the mind, I guess. Yes. And I think that's one of the things that we need to, to be uh, doing. In fact, I'm starting to work on an interesting uh, book with a gal who's the head of social media for Twitter. Uh, she's the, 32 years old, she came to me and said, you know, mentors in the past have been older people, you know, and she said, I think that's still appropriate, but I think some of you older people need younger people to mentor you, particularly in technology, so, I mean, one of the things I'm refiring intellectually is, you know, learning more about technology, I mean, my my 90-year-old grandson says, Grampy, you know, (laughs) he's teaching me about different stuff with, uh, the computer, you know, so rather than putting yourself, you know, head in the sand, uh, you know, there's just always opportunity to learn new stuff. So I think that's, that's a lot of fun, I think. And then, you know, I keep on, you know, working on new books because, because I love it. You know, some of the publishers say, why don't you, you publish too much. You know, you do one every three years, you know, then we can really get behind it. I said, I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> right, you're doing it for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm having too much fun. So that's the first thing. What are you doing intellectually? The, the second one is what are you doing emotionally with your relationships? You know, because a lot of times I think we get in ruts and we do the same thing with the same people. Right. You know, in the same way, and uh, you know what 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 can you could you do? And so uh, my my wife had this. Uh, read this article by this guy who uh, didn't know any of his neighbors, so he sent a thing out to them that I'd like, you know, people to come on over, you know, for uh, for a barbecue at my house, and, and I don't know if any of you would be willing to do it, but I'd love to have some people stay for a sleepover, because I remember when we were kids, 
you would go over for a sleepover at your friends, you know, because you really get to know people when you sleep over. Now, some of the people thought he was crazy, but this one one neighbor took him up on it. Oh, my guy, and, and they had the most fun. I can imagine, uh, yeah. And so he, uh, he, he, the word got around and all, and so my, my wife and I are really, you know, getting different couples. We have a place over by the beach in Encinitas, you know, where we can have, you know, two or three couples who are saying, okay, we're having sleepover gatherings. <laughs> 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 you know, just to get to know people a little bit better because you don't get it at dinner and stuff like that, you know. And so we're trying to go to some new restaurants and do some things. What about yourself? What are you doing to, to uh, refire uh, in your relationships and, and how you deal with people you, and your spouse and all that? You know, I think that I, especially... You know, I'm 46, and you know, rediscovering the value of what you said of of friendships and great conversation uh, that really gets me going. I, I I I mean, obviously, doing this show, talking to people, it really refuels me. And friendships and talking with people, I think, is so undervalued. You know, I, I look back at my parents, and who they passed away, but they had a circle of friends that were. And I think at one time, 12 people, you know, so six couples at one time. And that was a bridge club that started in the late 50s, early 60s. And they remained friends during that whole time. You don't see that a lot in my generation. You don't see where that kind of circle of friends from differing political backgrounds and beliefs where you just get together, you play cards, you you learn, you love and you laugh with everybody. I think that's kind of a lost art. And so I'm trying to be more intentional about kind of engaging with like-minded and not so like-minded folks just to have meaningful conversations. And I think that's what you're talking about here. Yes. Yeah. One of the fun ideas that we put in the book was the idea that very often somebody will call you and have to do it. And you say, well, you know, I mean, you know, if I had more notice, maybe I could do it. So one of the things we, the couple in the book form is the last minute gang, which is if somebody invites you to do something in the last minute, and you don't have anything done, why not do it, you know, even if right. it's only a half-hour notice, you know. And and so Margie, uh, my wife, is saying, you know, well, that was a last-minute thing because somebody called us the other day and asked us what we were doing for dinner, you know. And so we haven't thought about it. Why don't you come on over? You know, this is like at 5.30. And so Margie says, last minute, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What do you do to... You know, even, you know, a middle-aged guy like myself, and I'm finding myself so tired at the end of the day. What, you know, what do you do? I mean, it, it all sounds great. Let's be spontaneous. Let's let's connect. Let's refire emotionally. Let's refire intellectually doing something to, 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 to stop thinking that the, the best days are behind us, but they're in front of us. What, what, do you, what do you do if you're just kind of lacking some energy? Do you have any tips on that? Well, you know, Peter Drucker, said years ago, nothing good happens by accident. Uh, you got to put some structure on it. Right. And so you almost have to put it into your calendar, you know, uh, some time and and make sure that, that you have. Like, I love uh, my wife's brother, he and his wife, they're in their, their, their mid-40s. They have date night, you know, which a lot, a lot of people. And so once every two weeks, they go out to dinner and they put it on their calendar and the, the the uh, rule is that he can't talk about work. She can't talk about the kids. They got to talk about their relationship. Now, if you had a date night, you know, with your spouse once every two weeks, you know, twenty six times a year, you wouldn't get home someday and there's a moving van 
there. <laughs> and the furniture's going out, you know. <laughs> right. You say, what happened, you know? And uh, so I think it's just getting creative about about uh, things and, and uh, putting some structure on it because I agree, you know, you get tired and all that, so you sort of think, you know, Margie says, we got a plan, you know, something. And, and so uh, we're, we're doing like, a, we decided that our goal, you know, in our 70s with our family is to create magical memories, you know. Oh, nice. So a friend of ours has a wonderful place down in Cabo San Lucas, and so we took 15 of us, you know, our son and daughter and their kids and, you know, our grandkids and her brother and her family, and we just had a wonderful time for a week down there. And But we had planned it six months before. Uh, and so, you know, you have to be intentional, I think, sometimes. Otherwise, you can get caught in the rat race of life. So that's a, that's an interesting thing. A third thing that uh, you need to refire, which I ended up writing a book about, I wrote a book called Fit at Last, how to, you know, feel right. uh, healthier and happier right now. And... Uh, what are you doing physically, you know, because I think a lot of times people uh, don't do that. And so uh, it was interesting. I was a, a friend who was at West Point for seven years, the fitness director of fitness, fitness, and so he's in that field. And so we sat down and he said, Ken, there's, there's six areas of health. One is aerobic, you know, what are you doing to your heart? And I, you know, I'd started a lot of jogging programs and all that kind of thing. So I needed some help to get me going there. But he said there's also strength training, and I had never done any of that. Balance training, I never had done any of that because that's your older balance is really important. So those are two where I needed really close supervision and work with him because I'd never done it before. Then there was flexibility training, uh, you know, because you need to work on that. And I had done some stuff on that, but needed to re go again. And then diet, weight control, and then finally rest. And the only thing I really was an expert on was rest. I, mean, I, could, <laughs> I could really sleep. <laughs> right, yeah, me too. And, well, did you, uh, find, so, did you find when, when you're talking about that, that you did kind of refire physically when you just even kind of started focusing on the balance and even strength conditioning? Did you find, what kind of improvements did you see? Yeah, well, what we did is I developed a theory years ago called situational leadership, which means you need different leadership styles depending on your development level. So I was an enthusiastic beginner in strength training and, and balance, so I needed a directed leadership style. And so I met with him three times a week, you know, and he did strength training and balance training. He also worked on my flexibility uh, there. So I had to set up some things. Then I ended up, you know, Joining Weight Watchers, you know, uh, right. for weight nutrition at early meetings. I love the women would cheer you on, you know, and all <laughs> that. <laughs> then I put a recumbent bike in our bedroom. So when I went on the phone, I would, uh, in the morning, which a lot of times I am back east, I just get on the bike and start going at it, you know, and, uh, so it was, it was really getting, and so, uh, you know, I ended up losing over 30 pounds, and I, wow. you know, I can lift a fair amount of weight now, and I can stand on one foot for a minute, you know, one at a time, and I can stand on a bozo ball, you know, for my balance, and, you know, so uh, that that's really been fun, so uh, what are you doing to refire physically? Well, gosh, you know, talking... Me and the wife were talking about this the other day, and again, we I physical fitness never was really a challenge for me when I was in the Marine Corps. It was so 
uh, regular of, of a part of my life. But man, I tell you, the last 10 years, I have been more sedentary than I have in my entire life. And I can feel it. And I'm at the point now where I've gone up in two pant sizes. My energy level is low. And I know I got to go out and, and do those things, Ken. I know I got to go out and, and it, I mean, I've got the elliptical in the basement. I've got the membership to the Y. It just even taking a walk w- would make a difference. But I, yeah. I find but again, myself. You got you to gotta put some structure on that's it. Right. Gotta it. That's right. Got to put it into your balance. That's what this guy made me do. You know, I had to, had to put it in there and set goals. And uh, so. You said the, the word intentionality is really the word. And, and, yeah. And that's. And, and one of the things is that sometimes you'll need a coach. You'll need somebody, and not to be somebody at a health club necessarily, but maybe a neighbor or a friend that can be your co-partner to kind of keep on each other, you know. But uh, a delegating leadership style doesn't work on New Year's resolution. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it did, you, it wouldn't be a New Year's resolution. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true. So true. So that's, uh, that's it. The final area... Uh, we look at is, is spiritually, and, and we talk about that. We're not talking about religion and all, but one of the things I really have found, uh, which is we have two selves. We have an external task oriented self that's used to getting jobs done, and then we have a thoughtful, reflective self. And which of those two wakes up quicker in the morning? <laughs> it's usually the task oriented. That's self, right, the know? task one. The yeah. alarm goes off, and my friend John Ortberg is a great author. He said, "Isn't that it?" You ever thought of what an awful term it is, an alarm clock? And why isn't it the opportunity clock? Or it's <laughs> oh, I love that, opportunity but, clock. You know, boom, you're into your task going yourself, and you're trying to eat while you're watching, and you jump in your car. you got your car phone, you're going this meeting, that meeting. No. When you get home, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely exhausted. don't have any energy even to say goodnight, maybe to somebody who might be lying next to you, and then boom, the next day. And the problem with a lot of people is that they're in a rat race, and really telling the great, you know, Hollywood philosophers said the problem with a rat race is even when you're still a rat. <laughs> so uh, one of the things we really talked about was spiritually was taking some time in the morning, you know, for solitude, you know, prayer, if that's the important thing, but just quiet yourself and just realize that maybe there's something more important than you uh, in the world. And, and, you know, how do you just quiet yourself and get in touch uh, with with that? And, and uh so we we deal with spirituality in terms of, you know, we have one character in the story who's, you know, the good Lord is in his life on a day-to-day basis. Another one who's a, a woman astronomer who's thinking, of course, she's learned a lot, but that universe is really something. Is I know there's something out there, you know, yeah. and she's really spends time really contemplating it. And, you know, just where, what do you do? Because the spiritual thing is really interesting because it's a way... Uh, to, in many ways, take a mental helicopter ceiling and take a look at your life and, and, uh, see where it is, you know, and, uh, you know, I, uh, my faith is important uh, to me and I, I take quiet time. At 3.30 in the morning, I usually have to go up totally bedroom at my age <laughs> and I find it's really quiet then. So I usually spend about a half an hour doing some really wonderful readings like my mother, you know, years ago when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> Gave me the daily word, you know, it comes out of Lee Summit in Missouri. And I wonder how these old ladies there know what might be helpful for me. But it's just it's getting intentional about quieting yourself and, and getting outside yourself and, and all. So it's a, uh, those are the four areas. How, 
How are you doing with your spiritual journey? Yeah, you know, I think that's one thing, particularly the last six to seven years, I've really been intentional about, and just taking the time. Uh, I, I and sometimes I find myself going back to that, but I find that if I if things aren't going like I want them to, and I tend to get maybe a little panicky, or I need to be doing more, or getting that feeling. I find the more that I try to put a chokehold on it and try to take more action at the time, the worse it gets. And those are the moments that I really need to step back, reflect, and, you know, just kind of calm down and listen to the inner voice, you know, do some prayer, do some meditation, whatever it is. And it, man, it pays huge dividends just to kind of slow down and really get kind of in, you know, realize that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. I think that's huge. And I, I agree with you. I think the more that yeah. you can kind of ask yourself what, what is, you know, what is, ask yourself why, why am I doing this? Why do I feel this way? What is what is the intent, the purpose? What am I trying to accomplish? You know, always ask yourself that. And for me, it does tremendous to just kind of calm calm that inner tur- turmoil down, I guess. And um, yes, and I I think that's a good point. The why question is a really good one. Yeah, I think the spiritual thing helps you ask question why, and that can also play over into why you're taking care of yourself physically. Well, you know, we all know. If the body's falling apart, it really does a lot for your, right. your energy and other things. And, you know, why are you trying to refire intellectually? You know, I just think that learning is like, you know, oxygen to a deep-sea diver. You know, if you don't have it, he, you know, drowns. And I think, you know, if you're not continuing to learn and refire intellectually, you might as well lie down. I think you're right. Throw, throw the dirt on you. I think you're right. <laughs> I think a yeah. lot of us, I think so, for so, I know I, I'm guilty of this. I think a lot of us, and I look around and the more that I've, you know, coached people and coached organizations and see so many of us go on autopilot, I would say probably from our early twenties on. I mean, a lot of it's pretty much structured for us until we get in, you know, out of high school and into college. But you look around, so many of us just go on autopilot, kind of not thinking what is our purpose? What is our intention? You know, and, and I don't yeah. think it has to be you know, that deep sometimes, but at least ask yourself the question, why am I doing what I'm doing? And, uh, yeah, and, and don't, don't wait until you're older to right. do it. I think it's a, you know, um, um, I think you really need to be a, a kind of an observer in your own life, you know, yeah. just an observer in your own life. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that, that I really do like is this whole concept of entering my day slowly, you know? Yeah. And one of the things I have a habit of doing that really helps is I have a mission statement, you know, that I've I've written, and I I uh, ended up writing my own obituary. You know, I got fascinated by that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I read about Alfred Nobel. You probably heard his. Yep. You know, uh, his brother died in the beginning of the last century, uh, and uh, they they got he and his brother mixed up, and he went to read the obituary for his brother in his newspaper in Stockholm, Sweden. And got to read his own obituary, and he was involved in the invention of dynamite, and the whole obituary was about destruction and all that. And he was devastated, so he gathered friends and loved ones around, and said, what's the opposite of destruction? And they said, peace. So he read that down in his life, so when he died, he would be remembered for peace rather than destruction. Wow. So I got interested. Well, I ought to write my own obituary. It's it's You'd like my obituary, which is really good. <laughs> you know, it's got some stuff that's still gold, you know, gold yeah. of mine and all. But how would you like to be remembered, you know? And yeah. then finally, you know, what are your values that are going to guide your journey? You know, my number one value is spiritual peace, and then comes integrity, then comes joy, uh, love, 
and then uh, finally physical well-being, you know, and uh, uh, I have, you know, scriptures under those, but it's really good for me to read my mission and my picture of the future and my values uh, in the morning, and then at night just kind of glance at them and say, how did I do today? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that you said. Life a little more intentional. Yeah, I love. Again, the word intentionality keeps coming up over and over again, and mm-hmm. I love that you said that. One thing that I try to do in the evenings too is, like, I said, how did I do today on what I set out to do? Not necessarily going over reviewing a checkbox to do list, but did I did I fulfill my purpose? You know, am I am I aligned with my purpose? And yeah, just, just kind of reflecting and not beating myself up, but just reflecting. No. You know. But in that process, you might think, God, maybe I ought to go and see that person tomorrow and right. just give them a one-minute apology, you know, because I, you know, I was racing into the office and they were sitting there, you know, there, and I just kind of rushed by, and they might have really been hurting, you know, and maybe they needed for me to stop, you know, and so it's just, uh, you know, what was it, Plato or one of those guys? <laughs> yeah. Said the unexamined life is not worth living. That's true, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that's what refiring is all about, is just examining your life and realizing that, I mean, one of my heroes and goals is I I met Norman Vincent Peale when he was 86 years oh, wow. old. He wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. Yes. And we wrote a book on the power of ethical management. And I tell you, he was amazing. He died at 95. Yeah. But he was a hero of mine because he was amazing. I'd pick him up at the airport and I said, I want me to go get the car. No, he said, I've been sitting for an hour or so. I need a brisk walk, you know. And wow. He and, his, he and his wife used to walk a couple of miles every morning and hold hands. Wow. Uh, but not talk to each other. They call it their uh, uh, together time, you know, alone, you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and uh, I said, I used to say, how do you say so jazzed up? He said, well, I'm always excited. I never know what I'm going to learn today, you know. Wow. He was, you know, it was late 80s when I, when I met him. And uh, so that's my goal. I'd like to hang around for another 20 years or so, but be vibrant and, and all. But that's, I got to keep on refiring myself intellectually, you know, uh, you know, emotionally with relationships, physically and spiritually. Well, I'm excited for the book to come out. I mean, I love your stuff. I love your work. I mean, you're just, like I said, you're one of those go-to guys that I've always looked up to and uh, when it comes to leadership and, and personal development. And I appreciate all that you bring to the world, your true gift. And uh, it's been a gift to have you come on the show. When I like to kind of in these interviews now, I'm always asking my guests, and you kind of hit on it with Norman Vincent Peale there, but uh, if you could have the ultimate dinner party, say one night, live or dead, you could bring five people to just have this most awesome refiring of intellectual and emotional stimulation, who would those five people be? Well, a number of them are dead, but I'd like to bring them back if I could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to meet Mandela, because, you know... Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Here's a guy who was abused and mistreated for 28 years and comes out full of love. Uh, you know, Gandhi would have been a really uh, a great one. You know, I really got to... Like, I, I love this Pope Francis. I'd like to have dinner with him. I oh, think, interesting. I think, I think he's making a difference out there. I think know? so, he's, too. He's, yeah, he's just so non-traditional, you know, and just sort of, you know, let's get over the this hierarchy. I mean, he would even go and live in the special papal headquarters, you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, he would be on, on my my uh, uh, list. Uh, 
Richard Branson. I uh, I oh, think he's a fascinating guy. Yes. I'd love, love to have dinner with with him. Uh, I did meet him and spent a little time with him at a conference in London a few years ago. But I think he's a, a fascinating uh, a guy. And uh, you know, it's uh, you know, if I could get Jesus back uh, early, yeah, I'd like good. to chat with him. He's quite a he was quite a guy, and so was Moses. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I'd love to have really um, met uh, Mother Teresa and spend <laughs> some time with with her. Uh, she was an amazing yeah, person. You know, I'd, I'd like to have dinner with Oprah. <laughs> yeah, man, i got to come to this dinner party. You've, you've already gone over your five limit, but I, I know it's difficult, right? <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a, a great party. A big table at that's right. We have a big table at that <laughs> Well, guys, so, Ken, uh, such a joy to have you back on the show, and and uh, we look forward for the book coming out in in February. And um, gosh, I look to have you back on the show at another time, and whenever you get yeah, your yeah, I'd love to. It's uh, it's always fun uh, for me, and life is a is a really special occasion. And uh, uh, I'd love to share with you as we work on this other book. On it's called Cross Gen Mentoring. Oh man, <laughs> I'm looking forward you to know? that. Yeah, that's that, that very intriguing. Fun. Yeah. Well, how, well can, how can people get in touch with you? What where can people find you and, and connect with you? They can just go at uh, kenblanchard.com and, and uh, uh, they'll usually uh, get me right there or uh, leadlikejesus.com at the ministry we have. Uh, and uh, so I'm I'm always uh, available and, have, you know, I got people to help me um, tweet and do all those good things. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Ken, thanks for coming on the show. Great. My joy. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Ken. It was a joy to have him on the show. Again, he's, he means a lot to me, both personally and professionally, and I think he's just one of the greats out there. I hope you check out his site. You can find out there's so many great resources at kenblanchard.com. And again, for me, the takeaway is no matter if you're nearing retiring age or not, I mean, you may be a millennial or young or whatever you're doing, it. we can all benefit in our everyday lives from as leaders, if we focus on our relationships, if we do something every single day to stimulate our minds, we're always learning, we're feeding that curiosity, always doing something about it. And again, all of us know we need to do something about our health and revitalizing our bodies. And of course, growing spiritually too, because remember, leadership does have a tremendous spiritual element to it. And I think that's that to me is a great reminder after talking with Ken. Leadership is about love. It's about you know, our hearts and our, and our, and our minds. It's not just, you know, charismatic decision-making or it, it is really a spiritual thing and leadership is about love. So I hope you enjoyed this show. And again, if you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a rating and, re- and review. It takes no more than a minute and it does so much to help for the visibility of the show. I try to provide as much value as I can, and any insight you can, any feedback is much appreciated. Drop me a line, too, at richard at doseofleadership.com. Let me know what you think about this show. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear about your journey, and if there's any way I can help at all. As always, I'm available to speak, to coach. I do group coaching, individual coaching. And again, you can always check out more about my online leadership course, where you can watch 20 videos on how to become a leader and how you can punch mediocrity in the face. You can find more of that information at doseofleadership.com and richardryerson.com. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.
Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.